Open your Bibles, if you would please, to Exodus chapter 17. We're going to be looking at different passages this, this evening, God willing, that deal with the, with the, with the passes, the travels of, of um, Israel through the desert, specifically, specifically with this event when they ask for water. Most of you remember that occasion. There were two occasions in which um, the children of Israel asked God for water in the desert. Now, just remembering a little bit, Israel has spent 430 years in Egypt as slaves. They only knew to be a slave, and now God arose Moses to lead them out of slavery into the promised land into his rest. And it was a journey, but before they get there, God was going to prepare and organize and give his law to his people for them to be able to know him and worship him the way he expected. Remember, they have not heard from God over 400 years. They have heard about him through the um, oral testimony of the fathers and so on, but they didn't have any vision or presence of God with them for all those time, for all that time. So now they're already gone. <clears throat> they already left Egypt. They already gone to the Red Sea. They're on the other side now. They saw God' great deliverance out of the first world superpower at that time were the Egyptian. How God destroyed Pharaoh and all his army. And now they were free. They were free to continue. When we get to Exodus chapter 17, they have not been not even three months since they left. Three months. And let's begin reading verse number one. Exodus 17. All the congregation of the people of Israel move on from the wilderness of sin by stages according to the commandment of the Lord and camp in Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore, the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirst there for water, and the people grumbled against Moses and said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us, to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and taking your hand the star which, with which you struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock of Oreb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah, because of the quarreling of the people of Israel, 
And because they tested the Lord by saying, is the Lord among us or not? This is the first testing, let's put it this way, of the people of Israel about God. One of the first, the first one was about food, where God gave them the, the, the manna. One of the things that you see here with the people of Israel, and I want you to look at Moses also, is that it wasn't too long after they left Egypt that, number one, they begin to quarrel, and number two, they wanted to go back. They wanted to go back. After being enslaved, enslaved for over 400 years, under the condition they were living, if you recall, at the end, Pharaoh were killing their babies. They were killing their firstborns. They were killing all the male babies. Not the firstborn, all the male babies. They were throwing them into the river. That's how Moses got saved. Eighty years later, I doubt that the situation got better for them. That's when Moses came back. So they, were, they weren't in a good situation. But many a times, when we're going through the deserts of life, and there are deserts in life, there are times where we, we, we question whether God is, is, is working or, or, or whether the presence of God is there with us, where we're going through it, that we begin to doubt, and sometimes the temptation is to go back. To go back. Go back to what? Go back to the life I used to live. Because Satan makes us believe, and I have heard this several times, I didn't have this many problems when I wasn't a Christian. When I wasn't a Christian, I didn't have this many problems. When I wasn't a Christian, uh, things, were more, things, things were easier. I didn't, I didn't have to face these things. Well, Part of it that, those, that the Bible tells us that those who want to live according to God's word will suffer persecution. Hardships and persecution and, 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 and times of trial is part of the process that we must go through in order to be more like Jesus. It is interesting, however, in this episode in Exodus... Is the Lord who took them through that way. For some reason, and you have a time to read Exodus, and if you read Exodus before, God took them through the desert to perform in them a certain work. There are certain things you need, they needed to learn to going through the desert. They needed to learn who was God. They tested here and they went to Moses and quarreled. To the point that Moses went to the Lord and said, listen, what am I going to do? These people want to stone me. They were very testing. To the, so, so God gave them a very important sign. Go to the rock of Horeb. Take the elders and strike the rock. And waters, and waters and I will give you water for all the people. So Moses did so in this occasion. But if you read there at the end of chapter 17, 
in verse 7, he said he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah because the quarreling of the people and because they're tested the Lord by saying. They tested the Lord. It's, um, it's not something that one likes to, to admit to, but many a times by our unbelief, by our attitude, by our action, by going against what God said, we're actually testing the Lord. Those of us that have children, you know the time that your children tested you. You know the time that your children, perhaps, you give her a command, and they try to go a little bit further than what you have said. And you're inside saying, oh, he's testing me. Especially those beautiful teenage years. Okay, beautiful teenager when, you know, we want to be a little bit more independent, a little bit more um, autonomous. Make your own decision. They want to make their own decision. And those are the days where sometimes the back and forth is going on. Easy solution, get them a job. Put them to work. Tire them out. My son, he's not here, right? Okay, good. (laughs) He graduated on Friday, and on Monday, he had a job. And the job is in sort of a construction, etc. And he asked, um, so who's going to take me? You got a bike? Ride your bike. Because he got to get in like at 6 in the morning. I'm sleeping at that time. I'm sorry. You know, Julia and I are just cut, cut. We're just cuddling for the last half an hour before we get up. So we don't want to miss that out. So we're going to ride your bike. So every morning at 6, you will see a little skinny black kid going through Trenton like this. It's going to work. So they're trying to test you. Those you know, we do the same thing when we, with, with, our, with, with our actions and unbelief and the way we respond to God in certain ways, where we forget what he has said. Now go to Numbers 20, if you would please, in your, in, in your Bible. Numbers chapter 20. There's going to be another situation where the children of Israel are going to reach to a place where there is no water, and they're going to ask again for water. Numbers chapter 20. And the people of Israel and the whole congregation came into the wilderness of sin in the first month, and the people stayed in Kadesh, and Miriam died there and was buried there. Now there was no water for the congregation, and they assembled themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. And the people quarreled with Moses and said, would, would that we had perished when our brothers perished before the Lord? Why have you brought the assembly of the Lord into this wilderness that we should die here, both we and our cattle? And why have you made us come out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It is no place for grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, and there is no water to drink. Listen, again, 
any time there is a situation where there was a need, the temptation was to say, number one, to quarrel against God. We don't think about this a lot, but the truth of the matter is, when we complain about our situation, when we complain about our circumstances, when we go into that direction, we're actually quarreling against God. We're actually quarreling against God because there is no... um coincidence or accidents in our life, if you're a child of God, there's no coincidence or accident that happened to us. God is in control of our every life, our every second of our life. So when I complain and quarrel and murmur and discontent with my situation, I'm actually doing it against God. And the second thing, you, you see that Again, they start questioning God's wisdom. They're directed to Moses, but Moses was actually the representative of God towards the people. Why you brought us here? Why you take us out of Egypt? They were already far away from Egypt. Physically, they were removed from Egypt, but their heart were still thinking about Egypt. In their heart, they still wanted to go back. Even though they were enslaved, they still wanted to go back. Our flesh, brothers and sisters, our flesh and our nature, desire of the flesh is to go back to that sinful uh, uh, habit of nature that we have. Is to go back. That's why there is this battle within us to do and perform the things of the Spirit. You know, there is something that's going to happen here that even though I read it and I know it's so and I know it happened, I don't fully understand, but I thank God it happened. You say, what? Read it with me. You already know what I'm, what I'm saying. Look at verse 7. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take this staff and assemble the congregation, you and Aaron, your brother, and tell the rock before their eyes to yield its water. So you shall bring water out of the rock for them and give drink to the congregation and their cattle. And Moses took the staff from before the Lord as he commanded him. Then Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock and said to them, Hear now, you rebels, shall we bring water for you out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock with his staff Twice, and water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their livestock paused there for a second. In this occasion, God told Moses to speak, to talk to the rock. Because, you see, during the time in the desert, 
There are certain things that the people of Israel, that the, that the nation of Israel is going to experience and God is going to give them that we're going to serve them as a sign to look for when Messiah will come. A representation of the one that will to come that will give them eternal rest so they wouldn't have to work and be enslaved no, no more. So if you look at all the events and things that God gave them during their walk, during the desert, all of these things have one person in mind. Bring their attention to Jesus. He gave them the law. He gave them the tabernacle. He gave them manna. He gave them water. All of the oh, out of the rock. All of these things will serve as a representation of Jesus. He gave them the cloud to guide them by by, by, by day and the column of fire by, by night. And we're going to see how in the New Testament a reference is made to this very occasion. Each and every one of these events have that in mind. They're going through the desert, but God over and over and over again is putting Christ in front of them. And he told Moses, this time, when you go to the rock, you're going to speak to the rock. And he and the rock will give the water. Well, then Moses did... Did Moses do what God said? No. No. He got angry with the people. He got angry with the people because again they were testing God. Again they were being disobedient. Again they were being rebellious. And he said, come over here, you rebels. He got so angry that he took the rod and instead of speaking as God has command, he struck the rock, not once, but twice. But then something happened, and that is what I say, I'm glad it happened. It speaks to me about God's mercy, provision, providence, and so many things more. The rock gave the water. The rock gave the water. Even though Moses did it the wrong way, the rock still gave the water. God still gave the water to the people so they will quench their thirst there in the desert. But as you know the story, because of this, because of this, the very next verse says that Moses and Aaron was not allowed to come into the land. But was it because he struck it? Let's read it, what God says. Why he wasn't going to come in, go in. In verse 12, he says, And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not believe in me, to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel. Therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. God told Moses because he did not what? Believe. To uphold me as holy before the people. For whatever reason in that moment... Moses resort to what he know he knew. 
in that moment of anger, and he disobeyed God's command by doing what he thought he did the first time will work. I don't know why God in his mercy he still gave the water. If God would have not given the water, I would understand. But he still gave the water. But Moses, because he did not believe, he said he wasn't going to go in. He said, why is so harsh? What was so important about the rock giving the water? Go to John chapter 7, if you would please. Gospel of John chapter 7. In the Gospel of John chapter 7, In the Gospel of John chapter 7, the, uh, the, 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 the Jews are celebrating the Feast of the Tabernacles. This was one of the um, most holy um, feasts or special days that during the year the Jews will celebrate. There for seven days, for seven days, they will live in tents. They will leave their homes and they will live in tents and they will remember as a tradition every year their travels and their journey through the desert and remember all the things that God did for them. They will read the Exodus. They will read the... Um, the hmm. Thank you. They will read <laughs> the fifth book of the Bible. <laughs> And they will remember the messages, you know, is, 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 is you read the book, the book of Deuteronomy. <laughs> I said it fast, you got that, right? <laughs> it's actually three sermons by Moses exhorting the people of what's going to happen and reminding them of all the, the, the acts of God in their behalf during their time in the desert or all his commandments and what they should do with the law, with the written law that know they have. In the last day of the Feast of the Tabernacles, Jesus is going to say something very, very important. John chapter 7, verse 37, if you would please. John 7, 37. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the spirit who those who believe in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Let's pause there for a second. In the last day, in this remembrance of what went on in the wilderness, Jesus stood up and said, Whosoever thirsts, come to me and drink of me, and I give you living waters. Now, during that time, 
all the Jews are remembering what happened in desert. So they know the reference of the water. Now, the water that was given in the desert was to quench that physical thirst. So they wouldn't die physically. But the water that Jesus was speaking about, it was to quench that spiritual thirst. Up to this point, they thought that all their ceremonies and feasts and all these labors that they do in order to attain favor with, 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 with God that was part of their religion will serve them to be um, right with, with God, to obtain any favor. What they then understood is that God himself, through his son, which is God, was that living water that once, as he told the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4, once you drink of the water that I will give you, you will never thirst again. You will never thirst again. He was the rock. He, Jesus, is the living water. Paul made reference to all what we just read in the Old Testament, and he, and he told the Corinthians all those things serve as, the, as, as an example, because those who died during the journey in, in the desert, they died because of their unbelief. They died because they were disobedient. They died because they were rebellious. Because they could, they didn't believe in the signs of, of, of Jesus, of what God was putting forward to them to follow and believe his word. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Let's see how Paul tie everything together for us here. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. First Corinthians chapter 10, beginning with verse 1. We read. For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things took place, what it says, as an example for us. These things took place as an example for us that we might not desire evil as they did. What was the problem with those in the wilderness and while they die? Because they could not go through the wilderness, they start complaining, they start murmuring in their heart, even though physically they were removed from Egypt, in their heart, they wanted to go back. The moment Moses uh, lingered a little bit up the mountain, they tell Aaron, 
make, make, make us a God that we should worship him. Oh, you remember what happened, right? They made this golden calf and they went hair wire and the Bible says that, you know, when the Bible says that the people were dancing and doing things and play, they were actually worshiping that calf in, with sexual immorality. Immorality. The entire people, after observing and being a witness of what God has done for them. So they were removed from Egypt, but their heart was still over there. And all that generation died. And Paul is saying to the Corinthians here that all those things happen as an example for us. That we should not desire evil as they did. Listen to what he said next. Verse 7. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happen to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. During the desert, they grumble, they went to idolatry, they were sexually impure, they did all these things. I say serve as an example for us. But it, and they were written down. The writer of the book of Exodus intent to put all the details of that journey to serve to our instruction. Here Paul is, is talking, is writing to a New Testament church. He's talking to a church under the new covenant. All what happened, what he's referring to, happened under the old covenant. But he's saying those things were written down as an example and also for our instruction. There are people today and there are places today that throw out the Old Testament. And they don't think that the Old Testament is relevant. Folks, without the Old Testament, there wouldn't be a New Testament. It's the whole counsel of God. And Paul is referring that these things were written down and this New Testament church is learning from what happened to the Jews. And I can't have time to go into the context of Corinth it was not a Jewish church per se but they're written down for our instruction and then he says here verse 12 therefore let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall no temptation has overtaken you and not coming to man God is faithful 
and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way to escape that you may be able to endure it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. And he continued there. One of the things Paul is pointing out about God here, and he said it in verse 13. Yes, during the desert, there are many times for temptation. We all experience it. We all experience it. Whether it's financial situation, emotional, uh, family situation, situation with your children, situation at work. Times when we pray and, and, and for some reason there is this um, still uh, void or sense that our prayers are not being answered. Times where we have abandoned the word of God and not come to it as we used to or should. Where our service to the Lord is not as hot as it ought to be. And we go to those desert times. Yes, we're human. These things happen. Sometimes the desert is we just walk into it because our own doing. Or sometimes God, just like he did with the people of Israel, to lead you through a desert to teach us something. But in either one of these circumstances... Verse 13 tells us something about God. There is no temptation come to us that is not common to men. But God is faithful. Even though the children of Israel quarrel and complain and murmur and on many stances wanted to kill God anointed they wanted to kill Moses. In fact, there is one time, I do remember the scripture, when God said enough. And God says, this is the tenth time that these people test me in the desert. I'm going to destroy them all and start anew with you, Moses. I mean, the man was almost 120 years old. But could God do it? Of course he could. Moses intervened with God in behalf of, of the people and God didn't, they didn't do it. The point is that regardless of all these times that they were rebellious, God remained faithful. Some died in the desert because of unbelief. But the second generation were able to walk into the promised land as he promised. Some died in the desert because of the rebellious. But the second generation, their children were able to conquer the cities and live in the cities and enjoy the honey, the milk of that land, of, 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 of the land that God gave them. The first generation who saw God's hand in Egypt with the plagues going through the Red Sea, that first generation that even though they saw all what God did, died in the desert. But their children were able to see the falling of the walls of Jericho. And they were, were able to see the land be the land be conquered 
and the tribes be given their inheritance as God promised to their fathers. God remained faithful. Going through the desert is never joyful, perhaps. And there are difficult lessons that we ought to learn going through that desert sometimes. And there is temptations to leave things away and to throw the towel or turn back or look to Egypt and say, oh my goodness, the lights of Egypt look so good, so nice. There is so much fun over there. Just remember, God is faithful. He is faithful. Once the children of Israel got out of the got out of the desert, well, you might know the rest of the story. They enjoy, as as the book of Deuteronomy said, they went into houses that they did not build. They enjoy vineyards that they did not plant. They enjoy water from wells that they did not dig. And all because God gave it to them. He was faithful. God help us to realize um, that no matter what, he is still God in the desert. He is still God in the desert. And perhaps there's someone here that do not have Jesus as their savior. Perhaps there's someone here that is still battling, thirst, and wondering why nothing that I do satisfy this thirst of life that I have. I try success, I try studies, I even try religion. Let me remind you the words of Jesus back in John chapter 7, verse 38. If anyone thirsts, drink of me, and I will give you the living water. He is the living water. He is the only one that can quench the thirst of your soul. The only one. Those of us that have drunk from that water can testify that ever since we know Jesus, the, the promise is that out of our soul will spring, um, the living waters will flow, will spring forth. And talk about this, um, chapter 7 speaks, that he talk about the spirit that was going to be given to those who believe. Remember the fruit of the spirit, anyone? But the fruit of the spirit is? I know it in Spanish. I'm not going to attempt to say it in English. But the fruit of the spirit is, let me read it here. Love, joy, peace, patience, 
kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. You know what that tells me? Number one, there is one fruit, not many fruit. It's one fruit of the Spirit. The person that is a believer in every circumstance, all reaction, all response, what's going to come out, what's going to flow, no matter what, is love, is peace, is patience, is long-suffering. It's kindness. It's self-control. Paul told Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, of self-control. And, and the believer has all that power, all that resources to the spirit of God within us. What are we through the valley? What are we going through this to, through, to the desert, whatever situation we face, that just spring out is living water. It's living water. And the good thing about it, it will never go dry. That well will never go dry. Other things in life may dry up, but that well will never go dry. And praise God for that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. And we thank you so much for your promises. Help us to hold on to your promises. Help us to look to your promises. Help us to realize, God, that you are the God, you are still God in the desert. And you will provide and you're ready to provide whatever is necessary. You understand that we are men, and there are things that are coming to us that we face. But thank you that you are faithful. You are faithful in every situation. Let us always tap into what you have provided, your Holy Spirit, to be able also to be faithful to you and believe your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.